This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Good afternoon, I'm Leon Davis, and you're listening to the Altitude Adjustment, the weekly, the twice a week podcast about people, politics, and professions. And I'm with uh, my co-host Warren Harper today. We are missing one of our co-hosts, uh, and they are out, not doing well today. Uh, Leonard will be back with us uh, as soon as he is able to. He was not able to make it with us today or tomorrow. So we apologize for that. All righty. We just hope our brother's okay. We do. Uh, today's uh, show is about paid athletes. And this is one of Leonard's favorite shows. He, 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 he would have really wanted to do this one. So, uh, I know he's, we're hoping he's get well soon. Uh, but again, thank you for joining us today. And we hope that we can um, bring you a, an excellent show today. Uh, paid college athletes. And um, I've got a couple of places I can start. I would have liked to have had Leonard here because he is extremely passionate about this topic. And so what we'll have to do is uh, once he's, back on his feet and back joins us, we'll have to, to redo this topic. So there will be a part two to this. So he'll get an opportunity to share his thoughts and ideas. So let me start with you. Ab huh? Absolutely. So, so let's start with you. What is, what is your thought on the paid college athlete? Well, I mean, I think it's past due. It's, it was way past due. I mean, the idea that the colleges are making all these mo this money off these athletes uh, and the athletes aren't weren't able to get a dime I was ridiculous. So I was all for them being able to make some money. Okay. So so I've kind of so in 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 looking up you know about the the paid college athlete kind of stuff I've um. I've, I've, I'm looking at it from a couple of different angles and, and I'm not, I don't think I've actually made up my mind yet as far as, as that goes. Um, but, but just to give you, one of the things that you brought up is about how much money is being made in the college game. And, and when I was doing my research and I come across these figures, it kind you know, it kind of um, made me, look at the the situation a little bit differently. So Michigan and Ohio State, mm -hmm. Michigan had a game, a football game against Ohio State. The stadium seated over 107,000 people. Uh, I'm sorry, there was 137,000 people in attendance. The average ticket price was $141 per ticket. Nice bit of change. Nice bit of change. The the college sports made fourteen billion dollars in twenty nineteen. That's up from five billion dollars in two thousand three. So over sixteen years, they jumped three triple fold. And hmm. now. That wow. $14 billion did not include broadca broadcasting rights or corporate sponsorships. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Nike Gear had a deal for $174 million with Michigan, worth $174 with Michigan, and $252 million with Ohio State. 
Now, how does that deal work with Nike and the, the school? Do they get to advertise during the games? Is that how that works? Or I think they pay the, pay the schools to have the kids wear, wear their uniforms, wear their shoes, wear their headbands, that kind of stuff. Their water bottles on the sideline. And the kids have. Huh? And the students have no choice in the matter. Right. It's the, the school controls all of that in the athletic department. Right. Okay. More than 100 Division One coaches. More than, more than 100 Division One coaches earn excess of a million dollars. I did not know that. I did not know that. I mean, I, I knew that it was high, but go ahead. A million dollars per season. A million dollars per season. Over. A million wow. plus per season. 100 Division One coaches. So the schools were technically putting that much money out for the coaching and the students got from that what? I don't think the, the free tuition. I don't I don't think that I don't well you, did you you talk about you said tuition? Mm-hmm. Okay. I got I've got a figure coming up about uh scholarships. So let me go through my next number. Okay. The top twenty five football coaches average five point two million in salary a year. In 41 states, there are only 50 states. In 41 states, the highest paid public employee is a football or basketball coach. <laughs> only 1% of college scholarships are full ride. What percentage? 1%. Okay. Okay. And a full ride only pays for books, tuition, uh, and room and board. Gotcha. No pocket change, um, no clothing allowance, none of that. That's just paying the college. Mm hmm. Yeah, those are the those are the some of the stats that I ran across that were significant yeah. to me. Now, one of the arguments and, and the reason I brought up the money aspect and so, so I'm going to get this one out of the way first. One of the most ridiculous arguments that I heard for not paying the athletes, the college athletes was that it would ruin the love of the game. <laughs> yeah right the absolute most ridiculous argument the the epitome of the best job is getting paid for doing something that you love the absolute epitome, the absolute best situation is getting paid for doing something that you love. Okay. But somebody has made the argument that if you pay college athletes, they will lose a love for the game. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. You, yeah, uh, you worked for the postal service for a while. Mm -hmm. Did you did you enjoy your job? I, I rather did, uh, especially during the earlier years. But you know, at some point up in in the eighties, after uh, the Reagan era kicked in, it, it became a little more challenging. So, so every time you got a paycheck, did you hate your job? 
Oh, just the opposite. <laughs> I felt good. Whenever you got a raise, did you, did you hate your job more? No. Hmm. Because I was great. Somebody wants you to wants me to believe that if I give you money for doing something that you love, you will stop loving it. <laughs> nah, I, I just can't make any sense of that at all. That was to me the the dumbest fucking argument that somebody put forth, and and there's and they're still and they're still pushing that and propaganda around. That's absolutely insane. That somebody because they're getting paid are gonna like the job less. Gonna like doing if you love doing something, you're gonna love it whether they pay you or they don't pay you. That's not necessarily gonna change your personality or change your habits. Yes, you may take things a little more business like mm-hmm. because now they've made it a business because they're paying you for it. But uh, that was one of the just absolute dumbest arguments that I heard for not paying athletes. And and because of that, comment? huh? Who made that comment? Oh, there's so many people. There's just so many people. I mean, you know, I've heard it. Uh, I think the um, the argument goes. If you pay college athletes, they won't play for the love of the game anymore. That's that's how the argument goes. That's how the ignorance of the argument is. If I start to pay them, they will not be playing for the love of the game. There are well, kids. Did, did Jordan have love for the game? I believe he did. Did Magic Johnson have love for the game? I believe he did. Do do any of the great players that you know of that made money have love for the game? My belief is that they did. Now, with that being said, I I do believe that there are people who play for money. For sure. I do believe that there are people who play purely for the money. They have the talents and the skills to play the position, to play the the sport. But they're not in the sport because they love playing the sport. They're in the sport because they know it is a high-paying job. It's like any other job. There are a lot of any people. Other job. There are a lot of people in jobs because the pay is good. And so they participate in that job for the pay. But that doesn't make them any less capable or able at their job. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you get hired based on your abilities to perform the job. I don't think they ask you, how much do you love the job? They want to know how many points you're going to score. Are you going to work with the team? Are you uh, coachable? Is your image going to be professional enough that you don't give the team a bad name? I think that matters too. But your love for the job, I mean, that's like going to be your how you perform is going to kind of ref- reflect that overall. I agree. So – so that argument kind of didn't wash for me at all. Um, right. One of the other arguments that concerned me, is, well, not arguments, but um, one of the things that I think it's important to look at is how do you structure payment to college athletes? Are they 1099 or W-2? Well, now, my understanding is that the schools aren't able to pay them directly anyway. So I think uh, 
taxes are to be based on uh, how how the source the source of the income. Just like anybody else outside of sports, it should be the same, I would think. Well, I, I mean, so if we decide that we're going to pay our college athletes, then we have to create a structure for payment. Mm-hmm. Are they are they employees of the college? Are they, you know, just like we've, we, we've got the gig economy now. Right. So we're trying to settle whether um, Lyft drivers and Uber drivers are employees or private contractors. So I see that argument or I see, I see that situation coming to the collegiate level if they decide to start playing, paying players. Well, yeah, yeah. If, if they start to pay payers directly, which they aren't now, correct? Let, let's, let's say that that's supposed to be true. <laughs> let's say that's supposed Te- to be true. Technically. From what I read, from yeah. what I read the school. They're not paying, getting directly paid. They're not collecting a check. Right. Right. So when they do, if when they do pay them directly, I think it's going to be based on how it's the, handled from the source. It's going to look at how the schools are uh, being taxed or whatever on that income, and well, it's going to reflect. If the if it, to the, yeah, the, if uh, it, athletes have to. Call. Well, if 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 they're if they're private, if they're independent contractors, right. So, so here's a situation. Um, the schools, let the schools don't have to be the ones that, 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 that they're contracted with for payment. The bigger, the bigger money is, um, um, distribution rights. So networks may become the actual employers. Hmm. So it's that quite possible. seems like that could cause some complications. Uh, absolutely, I agree. What complications because do you, you bring in? You bringing in outside sources into the mix with all, with all this money, and they're going to have to figure out how to structure that because it, it could get kind of tricky. Well, they're already doing that. There's already that problem. You've got you've got sponsors coming into the locker room. Okay. You've got, you've got interviews that go on in the locker room, not because of the schools, not just because of the schools, but because of the networks. They want mm-hmm. greater access to the athletes. So the reason that those guys, they've run up and down the court or they've been up and down the field shoving and pushing and slamming into 300-pound uh, opponents now, when they just want to get a shower and go chill for a little bit, they have to uh, they have to dress properly in the in the locker room, and they have to do interviews. Okay. So, so that you've got all of those outside influences already in place, already in, in, uh, imposing their influence in ways that impact the athlete themselves. Sure. Sure. I see what you're saying, uh, which kind of pushes the, uh, supports the point that if they have to do all of this, I think they should be compensated because that's, you know, are they going to school for interviews? You know, is (laughs) who's responsible for, um, their time. I mean, you know, at some point you should be compensated for your time. If you, you're giving all of this up just for that little scholarship that they're giving you. Sure. So, so as I mentioned before, I'm still on the fence and I understand the argument. I understand the argument that all of this money is floating around them and they're not getting any, and they're the source Without the players on the court, uh, it doesn't matter about the college. It doesn't matter 
about TV rights because there's nothing to broadcast. It doesn't matter about Nike because there's nobody to push their shoes or, or their headbands. So the center of all of this universe, the absolute center of the universe of college athletics is the athlete. And they're the only one not making a dime off of it. Now, you could say true. these college, college athletes are getting scholarships. But we just said 1% of scholarships are full rides. So that means that these college students have to come out of money out the parents have to come up with money out of their pocket and NCAA rules don't allow them to get money from any other source to offset the costs of going to school, to make money for the school, for the network, for the corporations. So I understand that argument about uh, if all of this money is floating around and the source of the revenue, the absolute source is not being compensated is absolutely insane. Yeah. But that's how they built the system. It's huh? It's almost like slavery. Okay, so 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 Warren, the Warren on this slavery kick. We had a conversation before we started, <laughs> before we started the show. So I think I think the slavery thing is is just on his mind. <laughs> we'll we'll do we'll do another show about the slavery thing. But I, I understand Wait, what you're saying, you, Warren. Did uh, you bring up slavery in that other conversation? Did I? I didn't. Well, I okay, you, I did bring it up. I did bring it up. I did bring oh, it up okay. That's what uh, in the context, <laughs> but in the context of that conversation, it was, I thought it was mm -hmm. okay. In the context of this conversation, I, I think it's a little progressive. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, that's, that's, I was looking at the first conversation. I thought that was a little pushing the limits. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't want to get off into that sec that other conversation we're going to do. We'll do that another time. Right. So, so yeah, I, I, I can see where the uh, idea that, um, that the source of all of this income, the source of all of this income that's being generated should be compensated for creating this market. They created the market. They created the demand. They create the demand for the product. Mm -hmm. You don't have any Michael Jordans. You don't have any um, um, Magic Johnsons. You don't have any Tom Brady's. You don't have any Brett Favre's. You don't have any market. You just don't have it. There's no. There's nothing to sell. There's no product. So, so I understand that. And, and, and while I, those people were pros that I listed at one time, they were all college athletes. So I'm talking about the college athlete creating the sport. So college actually high school. And that's my fear. One of my fears is Somebody makes the connection between um, making money for the athlete. And so pros are getting paid. Now we want to pay college students. Well, why shouldn't we pay high school students? Why shouldn't we pay little league students? A little league player. Well, what? than those in high school and huh? little league. I'm sorry, what? Who who's who's getting 
making money off high school and uh, little league athletics. The colleges are. They're recru- where do you think they're recruiting those kids for? Well, they they don't make money off of them when they're still in high school. Oh, really? Do they? Absolutely. Do they? I, I believe they do. The colleges are getting paid off the student's high school performance? So, so your program, you're looking at your program, mm-hmm. and you're looking five years down the road. All of the mm-hmm. people that you have in your current class will be gone in five years. Sure. So you're thinking that these colleges are going, we'll just wait for five years to see what bubbles up to the top, and then we'll go after these kids. It's not that they're sending scouts to high school games to talk to these kids. It's not that that they're leaking the information that they're looking at this high school kid in hopes of influencing that high school kid to come to their campus. Well, yeah, I understand that, but I, that's kind of stretching it, I, I think. Uh, you may think it's stretching it. Um, I tend to think that a system built on commodification has no limits. Everything is being commodified. So at that point, if you're being commodified when you're in high school, um, who who should get compensated? See, that's 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 where we are. That's what I'm saying. If we start paying college students, we will work out a compensation structure. Right. If if we decide to pay college students, we will eventually work out a compensation structure on how to pay, who pays them, how much they get paid, when do they get paid? All of that will be worked out. And then the checks will start to flow. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, that's if you work out a system, but how close are we to actually creating a system to pay all these college athletes? I'm, I'm under the belief right that now, I'm under the belief that the first time it was mentioned, somebody had in mind a way to pay college students. Okay. So whether it's, widely known or not, I think it's there. Okay. So do you think that, say, a high school basketball star has great potential, scouts are looking at him, he gets to the point of graduation, he doesn't go to college, he or he goes to college, but he doesn't play sports. Do you think he still should have been compensated in high school just because folks were looking at him? I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the compensation structure looks like. Okay. I mean, you can you can put in a compensation structure that says, you know, if you are ranked in the top. 25 in the country, you get compensated mm. for that. I mean, that that's mm. whatever system that you want to put in, you can put a system in to account for different variables. Interesting concept. I, I just see think... some issues already, though. Huh? Well, sure, there's always going to be issues, but you eventually you will... Okay, I understand issues. So before we had the bowl system, we just picked a national champion. Some people liked it. Some people didn't like it. 
So to address those people that didn't like it, we started the bowl system. Okay. There are complications with that. Some people liked it. Some people didn't like it. So what did we do then? So what did they do then? Playoffs. They, they, they introduced a playoff. Now, did any of the any did any of the issues go away? I'm not really sure because I don't follow it to that degree. None of them went away because people still have a problem with the playoff system. So issues are going to be there. Okay. Issues are going to be there. Do you have it? Huh? Did you have issues with the playoff system? I never thought we should have. I never thought we should have gotten to a playoff system. It's college you like football. the bowl system. I didn't think the, the. I didn't like the bowl system either. I didn't care for the bowl system either. Because okay. it was all about money. It wasn't about college athletics. It's about commodification. Oh, okay. I get your point there. I didn't care for the bowl system. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed saying my team won this bowl. But what did they do in, with the bowl system? First, they started out with these big bowls. And then before you know it, they went from four bowl systems or five bowl systems to 15. Basically, if you play football, you played in a bowl. Gotcha. Why? Because they could sell it. Because they can make money off of it. It's the commodification. Sure, sure. So there is no bottom. There is no bottom when I can sell it. So paying the players, there's no bottom. Because if you pay the players, don't you have to pay the, the support staff? Well, sure. If sure. you're paying the college athlete, don't you ha don't you have to pay the support staff? I don't see why you shouldn't. Exactly. So where does it stop? It's I just think it's a commodification. I just think um examining how we let money manage society is important. It's not that I disagree. It's just, I'd like to see us have better management over money instead of money having management over society. That's all. Uh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I just think that um, in the system that we have in our economic economic system is pretty much built that way. And if you want to challenge that, you're, you're taking things to a whole new level. It's I don't think it's sports. a whole new level. I think, I think, I think everything has to have guidelines so that we can protect some things that we think are important. If we think that, that the love of the game is the most important thing. Then we protect that. Then the argument becomes, how do we protect that? How does monetization impact the love of the game? I just tend to think that there are, that the way we are now, we look at things and we judge if we can make money at it and not how does making money at that change its impact on society. Yeah. We start, we start paying the college athlete and why shouldn't we pay the high school athlete? Why shouldn't we pay little league coaches more to create better high school athletes, athletes that will become better college athletes 
that will become better professional athletes? Well, you're making a very good point, but before we even get to that, I think you'd probably have to uh, sit down and talk with a, a whole bunch of teachers and the other people that you were talking <laughs> about, about getting their fair share of support when you want to take it that far. And, and you, and you just, um, I think reinforced my point about commodification. It's about money. We're compensating sure. teachers monetarily to produce money-making entities. It's about making money off of everybody and off of everything. Mm -hmm. And so money becomes the creation of wealth. The creation of money becomes the central focus rather than the health and well-being of the society as a whole. And I'm not, I don't disagree with the free market, a free market system. I just don't think a free market system is an unregulated system. And there are people that think mm -hmm. in the free market system is completely unregulated because any system that is in place, I think has pros and cons and it has impacts that are beneficial and impacts that can be non-beneficial. I don't, sure. I don't see college football players and basketball players and hockey and tennis and rugby and rowing. I don't see them as a commodity. I see this as citizens of our great nation. And how is it that, that we best implement and provide for them and to have them be productive members of and to help us be a better society? Is money the only way to do that? It is, I think, is one motivating factor, but I think it has become too dominant. But I can be convinced right. otherwise. It's just, let's have that discussion. Let's identify what is important in society, and then we can determine if commodity if commodifying it causes a problem but we have to know what it is that we want to preserve and right now we only want to preserve making money we don't pr preserve integrity we don't pre preserve uh naivety we don't preserve um uh innocence those are all for sale So free market system, tell me what you think about this definition here. I want to read this and see, get your thoughts on this. Free market and economics, a free market is a system in which the prices for goods and services are self-regulated by buyers and sellers negotiating in an open market. In a free market, the laws and forces of supply and demand are free from any intervention by a government or other authority and from all forms of economic privilege, monopolies and artificial sacrifices, uh, scarcities rather. Okay. So, so your question to me on that is, uh, do I agree with that definition? Yeah. No. Okay. I think you can have a free market system with a set of guidelines that that mm -hmm. that description says no guidelines, no overarching ideas, no focal point. Basically, the system will self-regulate. Yeah. I would like to believe that self-regulation is going to work. But sometimes we have to have a, an idea of how we want to regulate ourselves. So, yeah. so we don't allow I, selling of children. Right. 
that is something that helps us maintain some level of moral integrity that the free market system would say is okay. What you just read says we can sell and buy anything without regulation. Mm -hmm. So if I want to sell my child and there is someone that wants to buy my child, we can, we can do that transaction. And if there's someone that doesn't want to buy my child, that's the self-regulation. <laughs> yeah, and although it's illegal, people are trying to do that. I mean, it's crime, but we, we have issues like that in this country. But I think um, a lot of people would argue that your idea of that free market system is probably, they'd probably call it socialism. <laughs> okay. All right. Call it what you want to call it. I don't care what you call it. Right. I'm just saying, just don't call me late for that. I I'm being silly. You know. Go ahead. I'm being silly. Okay. So yeah, you want to well well let's take a look at why they would want to call it socialism. Um is because it it creates a boogeyman. So if I don't if I don't have an argument if you say something that is a has a very good argument attached to it. Mhm. Mm if I have a counter argument that is as good, then I put forth that counter argument. If I don't have a counter argument, then I create a, I create, I make your argument a boogeyman and that levels it. So I can call it socialism. And then we'll, we'll spend some time arguing what is socialism versus what we were talking about in the, in the first place. Sure. So, and that's what they do. Well, yes, yes. There are people who, there are people who argue facts, and there are people who argue emotions. Mm -hmm. Now, I try to be one of the people that argues facts. So, if I call it socialism, it's because I because I can factually define it as socialism. If I call it um, anarchy, it's because I can factually define it as anarchy. Sure. And it's, my, my, it's not my intent to get an emotional response out of someone, but to define it so that we can have a factual discussion about it. Right. So, so in the case no, of... Socialism. Huh? I was just kidding. No, what did you say? I missed it. I said, shall I look up socialism just for the Well, you, you can. But no, you, and no, I was just kidding. No, no. I mean, I just think that um, um, just like Leonard said, humility re requires, he believes humility requires truthfulness. We looked it up. Okay. We looked up in the dictionary the definition of humility, and it did not include honesty. Mm -hmm. After further examination, I believe honesty is a key component to humility. And I, I disagree on that. Huh? I think we all agreed on that. Right. And so, um, and so the, the definite, I disagree with the current definition. Now, in order for my acceptance, just because I've accepted that the current definition is insufficient, doesn't make it so. It requires more people to be, uh, to accept my definition for it to, to become a societal standard. Once we, once it becomes a societal standard, then it's easier for us to have a conversation so that when I say, you know, when I talk about someone's humility, we know that that person's 
behavior includes honesty because it's a part of the yeah. definition. So the definition of socialism may not be fully formed, but we'll accept it until we find a better solution, until we find a better um, de description. And then once we put, find a better subscription, then we update that. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think the problem right now is that it's the boogeyman because I don't think it'd be easy even having a conversation about it right now. I, well, I agree with you. So, so uh, there are a lot of people that throw up more, more boogeyman than throw up facts or throw up logical right. reasoning. I agree with you there a hundred percent. And then, um, so, um, I, I, I know, so you and I, we talk all the time and, uh, um, uh, you know, I'll push you to, to, to help me understand your points and what you're thinking and how you're feeling and all of those kinds of things and what, um, you know, to define when you're being, you know, when you're feeling something or when you're thinking it. And so, and so I, I feel like I have a better understanding of when you say something, what you're actually meaning. At least I know in the context of our conversations, what I believe you have said and what your, your thoughts are. The, the issue then becomes when other people who are not privy to the conversations that you and I and Leonard and, and, uh, you know, have on an ongoing basis. And then we say things, um, they can easily misinterpret something if they're not privy to all of that understanding. So like in the future, when you and I and Leonard are talking and we mention humility for us, it, it means inclusive of, honesty and truth. And if somebody else sees our shows down the road and don't go back and see how we arrived at that, they may not include um, honesty as a part of that. And so when we're talking and, you know, we use that term, they're not seeing the same thing. We're not working with the same facts. I agree. So, so, but it's, it would be difficult for me going forward to have a conversation about humility. If someone talked about someone being humble and I know that they, they lie unabashedly, I can't accept humility as a, as a characteristic of that individual. I agree. So where do we stand as far as um, the idea of money being the key component in a lot of uh, the way we do business and we handle things in, in this country? Do you think we need to change some things? Okay. I think that's an excellent question. And I think you, you, um, made specific deliberation to ask that question as succinctly as you possibly could. And I appreciate that. I don't think the acquisition of wealth is a, is a bad thing in and of itself. Sure. I, I agree. I don't think that the free market system is a bad system. I do think that if you left, leave anything unregulated, if you leave anything without a direction, it will go at the whim of the people operating the system. So people with bad intentions can steer a good intended action in a bad way. Hmm. So, so the acquisition of wealth, 
the the earning of of income or of wealth in and of itself is not a bad thing. If if you use unethical and immoral mechanisms to achieve that wealth, then the wealth itself becomes poison of that. If I, if I, if I get my, my money by sticking a pistol in a cashier's face and taking the money, that is an immoral and unethical way to achieve financial independence. If I work at a job, do a fair day and it's a, a legally accepted job, if in a, and I do my work in a fair and ethical way, that is an ethical form of wealth generation and creation. I don't have a problem with students making money. The difficulty that I have is, is that we don't tend to put, we don't tend to try to make, so there are, there are, so giving money to, to students is unethical. I think that that's wrong. I think that the NCAA in its, in its ability to try to control or manage um, the system, looked at it from their perspective and did not look at it from the perspective of the student athlete. If you look at it from the perspective of the student athlete, how could you deny them an opportunity to participate financially in a system that is built entirely on their presence. Yeah, literally on their backs since it they're out literally. there doing so much of the work. They're doing all of the work. The other, the people that show up to film it, to put it together, to package it and send it out. They're doing none of, that's not the work. Yes. That's not the work. The work is the people running up and down the courts, running up and down the field, hitting the ball across the net, putting the oars in the water. That's the work. Everybody else is benefiting off the work. I don't have a complete problem with that. What I have a problem with is that you don't give the people that opportunity who do the work to benefit from their work. So have you thought of um, giving much thought of a feasible form of compensation for athletes at all? Oh, that gave me a headache. Oh, that gave me a headache. That gave me a headache. I, I'm Kinda sitting there thinking about it. Okay, so so the question I asked you earlier was, are they W-2 or 1099? If they're 1099, then why should they be required to take college courses? They're independent contractors. Right. They're independent contractors. So you can't put up on them the idea that they have to, to uh, complete a college course. You can say, you could talk about their training. It's because it's related to the job. To throw in college courses is just a way for you to get money back out of them. Hmm. Interesting. So under that uh, type of system, you would technically uh, open up the sports system to 
non-college students. The, the college would just oversee the operation, more or less manage the team. That's that's why I got the headache. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> because um, when you look at it, it opens things up so much more that there's so many more things that have to be answered um, that haven't been addressed. Now, keep in mind, I'm just one person. There's no way I can come up with enough options and ideas that another 100,000 people could come up with. Sure. So, so, so just as I'm there putting my two cents in, add another 100,000 people, and, and it can become unwieldy. It can become difficult to manage as far as a concept. Yeah. Well, you know, I've often thought about why it's required, literally required, maybe not practically, but literally required for a professional athlete to go through college. Because it's, it's, and I don't think it's legally structured that way, but the system seems to be set up so that you really don't have much of a chance for an outsider to walk on and, and get on the team. In fact, in fact, does a college uh, team have to have students to play on the team? It's just a sport. Since so much money is involved in the whole thing, just, just recruit people to play. It's not about college, really. It's not about learning. Or is it? Maybe I'm seeing it wrong. I just think you're a savant. I think your talents are being <laughs> wasted with the when when you was with the when you was with the uh, 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 mail carrier service. <laughs> I think okay. you should you should have been in a think tank somewhere because those are those are absolutely dead on good questions dead on yeah i mean we're talking about a sport and we're talking about a college education mm -hmm. which should not be linked to sports in my opinion i mean should a sport require college education mm -hmm. i don't see the practicality in that that's a that's Man, you have just opened up another can of worms. I mean, technically speaking, if professional sports wanted its players to be educated, they could they could create their own education system, teach them what they feel they need to learn totally outside of college. They have the money, they have the resources. Because everybody's not college material, wouldn't you agree? You preaching to the choir, brother. Sit them aside, assess them, see what they really need to learn. Teach them what they need, not run them through college. Because everybody, you know, I didn't go to college. I decided I'm not going to waste my parents' money. I figured out it. I wouldn't succeed. I'm not going to even try to do this. I found another route. Mm -hmm. I followed my father's footsteps, went to the military. Uh, I came to the conclusion I didn't want to do 20 years of that. So I got out, got me a good government job, just like my father did. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, that path might be a little bit different, but I had the opportunity. It was open during that time. So I'm just seeing this whole thing set up totally different, totally wrong, you know. Uh-huh. I agree with you. I agree with you. There is more than there is more than one way to set the system up to be um fair to all of the parties involved. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Let the college students play professional sports when they graduated, fine. But don't lock everybody else out just because they didn't go to college. I agree with that. All righty.
tomorrow we're going to talk about so today was Leonard's uh um pet topic um yeah. and, so, and so tomorrow is one of Warren's pet topics uh stocks the you know the uh con- congress people being able to buy and sell stocks of companies that they regulate. Any comment? Yeah, I mean, we, you, you actually brought up the whole, the, the word itself a little bit earlier when you talked about regulation or deregulation. And that's a major uh, subject right now because some people want things regulated and other people thinks there ought to be able to just uh, have a free reign on situation so i think that's what we're going to kind of explore tomorrow deal all righty uh i will see you tomorrow my friend all righty that concludes this episode of altitude adjustment and thank you for listening this podcast is streamed live on youtube and twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction visit the website the lion's den stl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, Look out for the other guy, because they may not be looking out.